Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in to Believe in Jaguars. I'm Jordan DeLugo, joined by former Jaguars tight end Clay Harbor. As always, Jaguars, one of the greatest comebacks in NFL history, the largest comeback in franchise history, the third largest comeback in NFL postseason history. How about it, Clay? Man, it was always the Jags. It was always the Jags. You know, that's all you can say. I mean, I should have I should have known better by now, but I mean, I was so upset. I was in my feelings after that first half. I'm all excited to watch this game. You know, I got the pen and paper out, just everything and then just goes horribly wrong. But that's what you could say about the Jaguar season. It was the second team in NFL history to start three and seven and to make the playoffs. Doug Peterson has these guys believing they can do anything. And then they overcome the third largest playoff deficit in history to come back and win. That's the third largest deficit to victory ever in the, in the NFL playoffs. Incredible. And me and Jordan were just talking, found another stat out there. That was a pretty fun stat that just talks about the resilience of this team is for the fifth time, the Jags are five and in the last five home games after trailing by at least nine in each game. Like, why? Why are you doing this Doing this yourself? Why are you doing this to us, us Duval, Jacksonville fans? But I think it just goes to show you that Doug Peterson is a guy that just has resilience and have to, has this team able to overcome anything. If you look at that interview before halftime, Doug Peterson, what are you going to do in the second half? Doug did not look dejected. He did not look upset. He looked like it was a 0-0 ball game, and he was just he was just starting to coach. He was just getting warmed up. I couldn't believe his demeanor at that time and how calm, cool, and upbeat he looks. Go, okay, I think we're going to use some tempo. Yeah, you know, we gotta, you know, we just gotta focus on the next drive. We're gonna use some tempo and you know, we get the ball in the end zone. I'm like, wow, this That's guy Doug is Doug. unshakable. Unshakable. That's Doug, right? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if he loses his MVP caliber quarterback, you know, down the stretch in 2017. That's all right. We'll be fine. We'll go win the Super Bowl. Right? Doesn't matter yeah. if he's down by nine plus points in five straight games at home. That's crazy to me, that stat you said, because not only is it crazy, like just how consistently poorly they start yes. <laughs> these games. That's crazy in and of itself. But then the fact that's that a trend, each of yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, it's not a blip, that's it's not an accident, that's a trend. It's cra- that's crazy, and, and it's even crazier that they've come back and won every one of those games. All of them, like, what is that? Nine po- that's two Nine. scores. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's ever happened before, but five games like that in a row, starting from at least nine behind, like, that's that's first off, okay, why is this happening? Because once, twice, you know, maybe three times, five times, like that's a trend. And that's something you got to see, okay, what are we doing in the beginning of the games that we're not doing, you know, in the, in the second half? You really have to do a self-scout. You have to go back. You have to watch the second half. You have to watch the first half almost side by side. I would put the plays up on a screen and literally just watch them side by side to see why. Obviously, you can look and say, yo, Trevor threw four picks, was four or 16, you know, he was just throwing the ball to the Chargers right and left. 
And I mean, come on, that, that one's easy. But then, I mean, you go back to the Titans game. You go back, I mean, you go back to all these games. Why does it keep happening? And now you're playing arguably the best team in the NFL with the best quarterback in the, in the NFL with the best coach in the NFL. I don't think you can start like that and still beat this team. I think they can win, but I don't think you can give up those nine points, those 14 points, couple scores before you decide, hey, we're going to do something miraculous here and come back. Now you're playing against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, my old coach, the coach that drafted me. This guy's a wizard. And uh, obviously Doug's old uh, boss as well. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many storylines in this matchup, and we've talked about it already because Jags and Chiefs played earlier this year in Week 10, and the Jags in that game, they shot themselves in the foot early, and that was the same situation. They tried to storm back. They almost did. If it wasn't yeah. for an early Christian Kirk drop, remember that one? Uh, yep. Just a dime Trevor laid on him down the field, I think, on the first drive, and then you had a touchdown called back by a Cam Robinson illegal man downfield which the coaches took responsibility for. Um, but yeah, there's, and then the Riley Patterson, Riley Patterson missed two field goals in that game. He's 17 of 18 since then. 94% he did of his miss two. I was thinking one, he missed two. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So there's a lot that's changed on both sides since that contest, but a lot is still the same, right? It's still the Doug Peterson yeah. and Andy Reid show. It's still the Patrick yeah. Mahomes and Trevor Lawrence show. But talking wow. about these leads that they, uh, that that the Jaguars allow early in these games, I don't really want to go back to all the games that it's happened. But looking specifically at this Chargers game, to me, I thought it was. And again, this was a rematch: the Jaguars and Chargers. They played in Week Three. To me, it looked like Brandon Staley came out with his counterpunch from what happened in week three, which was like, we're not going to let you run mesh all day. We're not going to let you run the short stuff. We're going to get tied up on the line of scrimmage. We're going to play physical football, yeah. and we're just not going to allow you to do what you want to do in that regard. And then it took a while for Trevor to adjust to that and for Doug to adjust to that, but they did adjust. And for me, looking at those interceptions, obviously – um, the first one I don't think was Trevor Lawrence's fault. You had Brandon Sheriff who absolutely just got schooled on a on a very simple stunt by Joseph Day. Not even a stunt. He just kind of attacked the A gap and then quickly switched to yeah, the B gap. Swims. Yeah. And uh got him got him out of position and he was able to tip the ball. Then that was an interception. Then you had Asante Samuel Jr. absolutely mugging Zay Jones on the right side of the field. I don't really worry too much about Trevor on that one either. Uh, like both of those interceptions. Yeah, for me are, I think that you feel like that was a pass interference. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that should have been called too. And they were they were doing it all game, and I don't blame the Chargers for doing it because it's the playoffs, and you're going to try things, and you're trying to be physical. And uh, I think that's the that's how they thought they could potentially slow down the Jaguars' passing offense, and it worked for a while. Um, yeah. It obviously didn't work for the entire game, as Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence adjusted. But the one interception that Trevor really, in my opinion, was his fault, it was the Asante Samuel Jr. one where Evan Ingram's just going across the middle, you know, crosser. It's like one of the Jaguars' bread and butter plays. The Chargers you know are what, ready though? for it. Yeah. On that interception, that the, the that mesh where Evan should Ingram Evan should have stopped the cross. That's zone. That is one of the oldest rules right. in NFL football. Here's here's what they say. Say if you're if it's man-to-man, -man, you run. 
If it's zone, you stop. You stop. I know. You stop. Absolutely in zone. It was as a clear as day zone. And I but think Steph- Trevor, Trevor just Trevor saw still a zone. Put it in a place. Terrible place. You got it. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. I know you want to anticipate your receiver stopping, but they also say if you're looking, you're booking, even if it's zone. If you get like you're not, if it's zone, you're supposed to recognize it. And you don't give the quarterback your eyes until you break down. And if you're looking, if you happen to think Reed Man and you look and you see, you know, you see him looking, then you got to keep running. So I think it was it was a bad read by Evan Ingram, obviously Trevor, but it wasn't it was. all on Trevor that interception. I could see why man, it was zone. Trevor thought he was sitting down that shallow cross that Stug Peterson, Andy Reid, coach that drafted me exactly from that tutelage. I know that play, old school play, but still, still put it in a bad spot. But I see yeah. what happened there at least. And so really, I mean, Trevor shouldn't have thrown that ball. <clears throat> But Everett should have stopped in the middle of the field. Yeah. He should not have continued that route. Should absolutely 100% should not have kept running. That is a that is a play to where you have to stop there. It's zone. It looked like an easy read. I don't know what happened there, but if I'm sure if someone asked, you know, Trevor what happened, you know, hey, we I, I read zone and in that play, you know, Evan Ingram's supposed to stop. He's not supposed to keep running. And the final one, I think, was actually not Trevor Lawrence's fault at all. It, it was Evan Ingram's fault, it looked like, because he, instead of flattening at the top of his route, he faded backwards, giving the defense, you know, leverage towards the ball. He needs to kind of come back to his quarterback and give him a target. He could have ran a better route there. I, I mean, like I said, I love Evan Ingram. But that's a tough – I mean, that's a tough play for a tight end. I mean, you got a tight end one-on-one and a cornerback and a, and an actual receiver, not a route where he can use his body. I mean, just for him, I mean, no, no, besides Travis Kelsey, I mean, no tight end is just going to beat a cornerback in straight up coverage unless it's, you know, a big body throw. So that's a tough matchup there. And I think Trevor should have realized that that was a tough matchup. Okay. We got cornerback on Evan. So somebody else has to be on a mismatch. Well, maybe Evan shouldn't be running that route. He, He can though, but against a safety or a linebacker, the matchup is much better with his quickness, but against a good corner, like I t- obviously I told you like my story, like I was a tight end, like I got moved to receiver under Chip Kelly, terrible decision. I felt like I was a, a bad receiver, but it's so like I could run routes using my speed and quickness against linebackers and safeties. I went outside to receiver and in, in Philly, Doug Peterson was there. He was our quarterback. Oh, that was right after Doug had left to Kansas city. Sorry. And uh, so much more difficult because these cornerbacks, all they do is cover, you know, not some linebacker that's got to stuff the run, a, a safety, bigger guy, you know, in the box sometimes. Well, and Asante, it, literally all he does is cover. He all he tackle. does is cover. He's not <laughs> tackling anybody. Yeah. So that's tough for him. And I feel him for that. You know, I feel for him, but it's a tough matchup, man. And maybe if it's a jump ball, you know, it's it's a different Ev, story. If Ev doesn't drift. Yeah. Like you see where he's supposed to cut. Oh, absolutely. And from the point where he stops at the top of his route to cut inside to the point where the ball is there to the catch point, he drifts like three yards downfield. Yeah, he does. You can't have that really. Can't have that. No, you can't. You can't. So, um, you know, and, and all of this is to say to me, like, I don't think those four interceptions were really that indicative of how poor Trevor was playing. He wasn't playing that poorly. 
You had the one, in my opinion, that he absolutely could not throw, and that was to the one Evan Ingram on the shallow crosser um, to Asante. But again, even on that one, it wasn't all his fault. Evan had to stop in the middle. 100% he's got to stop there. So I guess all that is to say, like, people are like, well, gosh, how did the Jaguars flip the switch? Well, (laughs) they started executing. They stopped making these silly mistakes as much. Um, and they st- started executing and they did it. And there was a, a counter punch to Brandon Staley's counter punch from week three. And that was um, a lot of stuff. They started attacking the um, intermediate to deep part of the field on the outside. And then they also, the touchdown to Evan Ingram was a beautiful counter punch because you have Ingram fake like he's going to go across mm-hmm. the middle. It's like, kind of like a sluggo on the outside, but, you know, the inside version of that. And that is a tendency breaker. The Chargers are waiting for you to run Evan Ingram across the field. He runs a great route, tricks his man, gets him, uh, you know, heading forward and slips right behind him. And then Trevor throws an absolutely beautiful ball in between three defenders to get it to Evan. Evan Ingram ran a heck of a route there. It's, um, I know the I know the play. And he ran it in a specific way where I think was just uh, genius in his part because he does run a lot of those shallow crosses. So he runs it instead of attacking the, the middle linebacker. You've got a split safety look, tight red zone version, of you know, cover four, cover, you know, maybe quarter half, two tight safety. So he's got this put the spot in the middle of the field, but there's a linebacker, middle linebacker. You got to keep flat. You can't let him get depth. You're not going to get the ball. So he runs it. He runs it like a shallow cross. He comes up, sticks it, uh, uh, sticks it again, and goes straight up the middle. Most guys will run that by straight attacking the inside leverage of the Mike linebacker and then slipping behind him. That allows the, the, the middle linebacker to get depth. So he mirrored it to a route that he runs a lot, that shallow cross, and that stuck the linebacker. Linebacker didn't get any depth, and he's got the speed and the quickness to get, get behind this linebacker. Linebacker's looking at the ball. He thinks the shallow cross is coming, doesn't realize it's happening. Trevor, beautiful ball, back shoulder. Evan Ingram comes down with the touchdown, takes the hit. You go, man, Evan Ingram is playing with confidence. That route as a tight end, Jordan, that brought that was one single tear ran down my cheek. I was so happy to see that route and how he married it to the shallow cross, stuck that linebacker in the mud, caught the back shoulder. My man, dude, Evan Ingram is playing at a high level right now. I, I really love to see it. And I mean, that that was just that was just a great job on his part and a great job on Trevor. But Evan Ingram's playing at a high level, man. And I think he's he's a guy that they're gonna have to utilize against the Chiefs. Absolutely. No question about it. And talking about some of these punches and counter punches and Doug being in his bag, which it just seems like he is every single week. I've heard some people saying, Oh, Doug emptied the clip against the chargers. He's not going to have anything for the chiefs. You know, damn well, that ain't the truth. He's been doing this all year. Every game he has been giving this team answers offensively every single game. Evan Ingram is a guy that, I mean, he had three catches for 10 yards last time against the chiefs. He's a guy that's come on strong since then. The end of the season, yeah. it's a whole new weapon right here. He's playing with much more confidence. You know, ETN, I think, is also a guy that's improved. He only had 11 carries last week. But I'm, I'm excited to see – or not last week against the Chiefs. 
I'm excited for this one. People are counting the people are counting the Jets. I listened to a couple of podcasts today of uh, of Chiefs pods just to see what they're saying. I like to see what the other and they think this is a foregone conclusion, a nice tune-up game for the Chiefs. You'll get them back, and and the real matchup starts next week against the Bills or the Bengals. I hate well, to you tell hope them. There's this. some folks inside that locker room doing the same thing. Yeah, hope to tell yeah. them this. It's not. It's not going to be an easy mail. We beat this team by 10. You know, next is a nice tune-up. We got the Bills or the Bengals coming in. That's going to be the AFC Championship game. All right, we'll see. Yeah, I think it's going to be a fantastic matchup. Um, the first time the two teams played, it was almost a fantastic matchup. Again, it was just a couple mistakes here and there. And the Jaguars, they're prone to make mistakes. And um, that's actually something where... I don't know which side of it I stand on. Like this team makes a ton of mistakes. Is that a sign that, wow, they're not even close to their ceiling or a sign that some of these players are just too undisciplined to execute consistently? I think that it's a sign that they're, you know, they're playing together for the, for the first time. At least some of these, a lot of these guys are, yeah. you know, you brought these guys together and they're kind of getting used to used to each other. And this is Doug's, you know, it's his first time called plays for this unit. And it's a first year of an offense. So there is some of that that, that goes into it. And that's what's so impressive is these guys are running this offense. This is the first year they're running this offense. And they're able to, you know, execute at this level. And Trevor, 23 years old, first year in this offense, second year in the league. Like, you got to understand how impressive that is. And you know, even the, the, you know, the defense coming to life and, and playing well, making some big stops, man, it's really been impressive. And like I said, I mean, they got a big matchup this week. Again, the Chiefs had five sacks against them last game. Chris Jones was living in our backfield. So, you know, this will be, this will be a tough matchup moving forward as well. But overall, it's been, it's been really impressive as a Jaguars fan and fun to, to really see. And you, and you got to also give a shout out to, to Duvall, man. They showed up. No doubt. No, nobody left that second half. They were still loud. I might've been in my car at that time. 27, nothing. Some people are leaving. The Jags fans were still there. They were still loud, still in the game. That's impressive. Yeah. I was telling all my buddies who were just not all of them. One of my buddies, who I'm not going to call out. He was really <laughs> down in the dumps. Really just like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is this is what's happening right now. Um, and I was like, look, if they score before halftime, they've got a shot. And they did. And, and the reason you say that is because you've seen it consistently throughout the NFL this year that teams can play from behind. And you've yeah. seen it from the Jaguars. They've been down 27-10 to the Cowboys. They've been down 17-0 to the Raiders. They've been down – they were down by 10 points to the Ravens in the fourth quarter. Like, they've consistently been down throughout this – this season and they've yeah. just shown no quit and it starts at the top with Doug Peterson. And then the next most important thing is Trevor Lawrence, who just never, never quits believing in himself. And you, you saw that in this one. And even though all those four interceptions, it wasn't necessarily like Trevor was playing horrible. Yeah. Even though he wasn't playing horrible, still he to overcome throwing four interceptions mentally takes a lot. Like and that really takes does. a lot. Even if you're like, those weren't my fault. It still takes a lot because you just feel like nothing you can do can go right. And then to, to overcome that from Trevor Lawrence, it just continues to show his mental toughness and his physical ability. Um, 
his uh, his his talent is unreal. It there's not five more talented quarterbacks on the planet than Trevor Lawrence right now. Bottom line, uh, so I'm just so impressed with him and his mental toughness. How about the fourth down call from Doug to Travis Etienne? You get in that formation where you've got the T behind the quarterback. It looks like it's for sure going to be a quarterback sneak or a run in the A or B gap. Nope. We're going to let Travis Etienne hit the edge against, guess who, the guy who doesn't like to tackle, Asante Samuel, and we're going to be just fine. You know, Doug Peterson, I mean, this guy, the size of this guy's cojones, I mean, unbelievable. The, I, I mean, I don't know what to say. Him and him going, that fourth down call, him going for two, I tweet out. I go, why are you going for two? Take the points. See, Take I understood that one, man. I got it. Okay, I get like, it now. Looking back, you're at the one yard line, but you you got you got two score. You got to get another score. You know, to me, I mean, like that's like, man, you you really trust these guys, and you love to see it. You know how much trust and aggressive when your coach is calling aggressively like that. That just gives you so much confidence as a player. You want to go out there, and it makes you play aggressive. It makes you not scared to mess up. Because you know that's how he's playing. That's how he wants to play. Mm-hmm. So this team, they're like that fighter that's going out there, man, and they're just they're willing to put it on the line. They're that guy that's willing to do whatever it takes to risk it all to put it on the line, and that what makes that what makes them very very dangerous, even against a team like the Kansas City Chiefs. You know they're very yeah. dangerous because they're they're willing to put it out there, man. They're willing to come in swinging. And you know Doug's going to have some tricks up his sleeve. Before we really get into that one, and we've talked about a little bit, brought some things up here, Jags, Chiefs, divisional round, I want to give Mike Caldwell his flowers. Yeah. You know, uh, I wasn't really willing to do it until (laughs) – Okay, so here's how the season went for me for Mike Caldwell from how I was watching this defense and envisioning everything. (laughs) It started out great. Yeah. Outside of Washington, which I think was more about personnel than it was about your scheming. um, Yeah. They've had a great two game run after that, where they shut down the Colts and the chargers. Then you have a run where the Jaguars defense looks like it's inept. It looks like Mike Caldwell doesn't have any answers. It looks like coaches are out scheming him consistently, but then yeah. down this stretch where you've had this winning streak, the Jaguars got Darius Williams outside. And I think that's what was breaking the Jaguars defense. I've said it many times. Having Trey Herndon outside. Yeah. That and getting, Oh, he's much better inside. He always has yeah. been always has been. Um, and so, yeah, you can blame Mike or Doug or whoever for not trying that earlier in the season, but yeah. they did it and they got it done in time, in time to get on this run, to get into the playoffs. But Mike Caldwell, you're starting to see kind of why the Jaguars were so intrigued by him because he brings that Todd Bowles type of system where they're going to blitz from all these different angles. They're going to blitz different gaps. They're going to create mismatches. They're going to run a lot of different diverse coverages on the back end. They're going to run a lot of man coverage and try to heat you up. And if you have the the guys and the talent to do that on third down, because that's when they mostly run man is third down. They're trying to man you up and get pressure. And um, now that Darius is playing outside, they have the guys to do it. 
and it's it's been awesome to see from Mike Caldwell. A lot of the individual players have also stepped up in this run. Like the linebackers have been playing a lot better opposite foyer or next to foyer. Devin Lloyd had it like his best game of the year, I think this, this past week. So I just want to give Mike Caldwell all the flowers. He, he dealt with a lot this year. I think some of it was probably self-imposed by not making some certain adjustments, but that's neither here nor there. They did make the adjustments and they've got this defense rolling and this defense, you cannot score on them in the second half. Uh, yeah. When's the last time a team scored more than like three points in the second half against the Jaguars defense? I couldn't tell. I have to go back and look, but it's nothing off the top of my <laughs> head I could even think about, man. He's done a heck of a job. I'm a Mike Caldwell fan. You know, I, I yeah, obviously I I always him liked him. Days. Yeah. I always liked him. And, I was not yeah. trying to throw him under the bus early. I was saying, I think this is personnel. But you got yeah. to a point where it was like, oh, my God, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. That's legit yeah. what it looked like for about four or five weeks. Yeah, you're right. There was definitely some worries there. Yeah, so look at this. Okay. The Titans, they didn't do anything in the second half. No. Chargers didn't do anything in the second half. Texans didn't do anything the whole game. Jets didn't do anything the whole game. Cowboys, nothing in the second half. Titans, the week before that, nothing in the second half. Like, this is the best second half defense on the planet right now. (laughs) It's crazy. Yeah, we need that the whole game this week. Yeah, I mean, I don't don't know what the deal is. And I I will say, I think I don't want to throw the defense under the bus for this first half, 27 points. Because they were put in so many poor positions. Five turnovers in the first half. Yes. Like, that's that you, you can't do nothing about that. And what's so impressive to me about this defensive performance, too, is they did this without forcing a single turnover. They didn't that's, force a turnover. You're, you're negative five, and you won. Yeah. You're not supposed to be able to do that in the NFL. If you're negative five and win... I don't know if that's what that says about you, but also your opponent. But you have five turnovers plus five, and you can't win the game? Come on, man. Yeah. I don't know. That's crazy. It is. It really is. Um, And it's so much fun. And, like, the Jaguars were 2 of 10 on third down. The Chargers were 8 of 17. Like, everything pointed pointed to the Chargers winning this game. But the Jaguars flipped the script on their head. It was always the Jags, baby. And now we're going to switch switch our script, flip our script, I should say. Yeah. We're going to talk Jags Chiefs a little bit here. First, like to remind you, follow Clay on Twitter at ClayHarbs82, myself at Jordan DeLugo. Make sure to subscribe and review to Believe in Jaguars on your podcast platform of choice. You can also check us out on the Gen Jag YouTube channel if you want to see these pretty mugs every week. But let's look at it. Jags and Chiefs, as we said, this is a rematch of Week 10. The Jaguars lost 27-17 to in Arrowhead in that game. Um, so they have been to Arrowhead. This group has been to Arrowhead this year and kind of seen what Kansas City Chiefs um, fans are all about, how loud that stadium can be. It's going to be even louder this Sunday or this Saturday, I should say. And, yeah, it's going to be Saturday, 4.30 p.m., um, NBC. It's going to be Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth, so y'all won't have to deal with uh, – or we all won't have to deal with 
what ev- what everyone watching on TV had to deal with last week, which was Al Michaels and Tony Dungy. I heard it's like the worst call ever. Um, so you won't have to deal with that at least, but hopefully y'all don't get too bothered by some of Chris Collinsworth's antics. I like Chris Collinsworth because I'm, you know, I'm a Gator fan. He's a former Gator, but I know some people don't love Chris. Uh, yeah, but I'm fired up for it. So it's 4:30 Saturday at Arrowhead. Doug Peterson versus Andy Reid. Does it get better Can't than get this better in the playoffs? Yeah. I mean, talk. You were coached by both of these guys. Let's talk about that matchup a little bit. Doug versus Andy, mentor versus mentee. Man, before we get started, I just got some news. Well, just us. Um, Joe Lombardi, the Jaguars got him fired. The, yeah. the Chargers fired okay. him. Just saw that. But uh, offensive coordinator for the for the Chargers. But they need to Andy, go get someone who's willing to air it out. Yeah, you got to. You got to. Yeah, and I think this also is a sign that Brandon Staley's fine, and I think he should be fine. He is a great defensive yeah. coach, and I think he's I think a really so. good leader. He's made some mistakes this year, but I think you give him a year to correct. Give him one more mistakes. year. I agree with that. They had to. They had to fire somebody. Um. So yeah, talking about Andy Reid versus Doug Peterson. So I'll I'll talk a little bit about my first interaction with these guys. Obviously. 2010, 2009-2010 NFL draft, Andy Reid drafts me to the Philadelphia Eagles. I, uh, you know, I show up to the Eagles, and quarterback coach is Doug Peterson. Um, first year, he was coaching Kevin Cobb, and then Kevin Cobb got hurt. Michael Vick became our quarterback coach, so it was uh, Doug Peterson, Michael Vick, and then later Nick Foles. But uh, Doug amazing guy andy amazing guy and you could always tell how close they were um doug played for andy when andy was on the staff in green bay back in the day and you know andy goes to kansas city and and uh andy goes to kansas city and the chiefs and 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 the chiefs brings brings doug along as the offensive coordinator so Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been it's been a, they have a, they're very close and they've had a, uh, a a great run together, and it's going to be interesting to see because Doug's offense is Andy's offense. They run the same offense, they run similar defenses, but they run the exact same offense. They call it the same. Everything I've heard is it's literally identical offense. So it's literally, you know, the teacher versus the student. So it's going to be interesting to see you know how that goes. Yeah, it really is. And they spent so much time together professionally, right? I mean, Doug Peterson was in Green Bay as a quarterback during the 90s from 95 to 98. Andy Reid was there the whole time. So they spent four years together there. Andy Reid became the Eagles head coach in 1999. Yeah. Doug Peterson was a backup a backup uh, quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles in 1999. So they spent five years together professionally as coach and quarterback. And then obviously Andy Reid hired Doug Peterson in his first NFL role as offensive quality control in 2009. Um, And then quarterbacks, coach, offensive coordinator. They spent a lot of time together. So yeah. this is going to be a great matchup between these two coaches who know each other so well. It's also going to be a great matchup between these two quarterbacks, two of the best quarterbacks in the game. Patrick Mahomes is the cream of the crop. Trevor Lawrence is trying to get there right now. What do you think about the two quarterbacks? 
Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is the best in the league, and I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be, you know, upcoming, obviously one of the one of the best in the league. And, you know, he's he's showing that he can compete with these guys. I don't think it's a he obviously Trevor Trevor Lawrence isn't Patrick Mahomes yet. I don't think it's as big as an upset as people think as far as comparing these two guys. So I think that Trevor can compete on that level with a quarterback like Pat Mahomes. I know that he's not, you know, Pat Mahomes has won Super Bowls. He's won MVPs. And obviously he's, he's got those scalps, but Trevor from what we've seen is a guy that can compete at that level. So that's why I'm confident that this can be, you know, a game that they can win. Yeah. I think it's a game they can win too. Um, Well, let's just talk about it. We're, we're about to have to get out of here, close up shop for the day. Do the Jaguars win this game? Well, what do we think ends up happening here in Kansas City at 4.30 p.m. on, on Saturday? Dude, my heart's telling me Jags. My mind's telling yeah. me Kansas City. But I think it's going to be tough. But I'm not going to go against Duval after this. I'm going to have to pick them. I'm going to have to pick a close game. It's going to, you're going to have to play a perfect game on, on defense. You're going to have to put up a lot of points on offense. They're good in both facets of the game. See, so I don't think they have to Duval. play perfect. Yeah. But they have to play their best that they have. Yeah. In all of their wins, they have not played perfect. They haven't played close to perfect in in any of their wins, except for what you saw early in the year. They were close to perfect a couple times. But all these wins, I mean, they haven't been perfect. They've been ugly. They've been they've been giving up a lot of a lot of yards at times. They've been not able to put up points at times. Um but they battle back. And I don't think that you can be as inconsistent in this game as you have been in a lot of your wins. You have to bring more consistency to the table. And I don't think you can go down 17, nothing or 27, nothing to the Kansas city chiefs, because even though some folks have kind of lamented Andy Reid kind of being um, conservative in certain situations when he's up by a a ton, I just don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to let you get away with it. Yeah. Agreed, man. And we should do another uh, – we'll get you guys another episode in this week. we got to cut yeah. this one a little short, but you know what we got to do right now. we got to hit them with one. That's right. Big win. Got a playoff game coming up this week in Kansas City. Let's go. Duval. Beautiful. Can't that wait. will do it. Yeah, we'll get we'll get together again later this weekend. Uh, do do a deeper dive into Jags versus Chiefs and talk a little bit more about it. Have some fun. So appreciate y'all so much for tuning in. Again, hit Clay Harbs up a Clay Harbs eighty two on Twitter. Myself at Jordan Delugo. You can also uh, review and subscribe to the Believe in Jaguars podcast. You can also check us out on the Gin Jag YouTube page. Thank you so much for tuning in, Duval. Enjoy the rest of your victory Tuesday. We'll be back at you later in the week. Let's go. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.